Thanks very much, Zoe. I grab my Bible. Huh? Um, why don't you turn around and say hello to the person next to you, if you can. Tell them they're very welcome. If this is your first morning in visiting us, then you're especially welcome. It's good, good to have you out. My name's Thomas. I am the pastor here in Downpatrick. And yeah, it's really good. I think worship this morning was, was great. But if this is your first morning, just so you know, I mean, maybe you've, you've been part of different church services and you don't really know why people get up and, and share what they feel like God's, God's saying. You know, we, for many people, I'm considered, you know, their pastor, you know, for if you're from a Catholic background, the equivalent of a priest or Anglican background, equivalent of a, of a reverend and um, a minister. And it's really interesting. Whatever churchmanship you might come from, you know, here we believe in the priesthood of all believers. It's not just my job to hear from God, actually. And I, and I do that and I, and I, and I, and I speak in ways that I feel like God is doing that. But also as a body here, believe it or not, you get to hear from God too. And, and that's what we are about here. So if this is your first morning and you've seen something and you're going, does everybody just come and grab the mic and do what they want to do? You know, obviously we have a service leader who channels that, but, um, we really just want to hear what God's speaking and saying. And it's not through one person. Um, actually, my job is to equip everybody in the body to learn to hear from God for themselves. So this is your first morning or whatever it may be, and you're like, I can't hear from God. Stick around long enough, and um, and we'll, we'll see that. Because how many know a real now word from God can change your life? It can change everything, and um, that's what it's about. It's about his voice. We're not here just to do religion. We're here about relationship. And, and sometimes that could be a funny word, because what does that actually look like and mean? But um, this is what it's about. Uh, it's not about big buildings. It's not about you know, doing fancy services and, you know, those guys were, were fantastic on, on worship, but it's really about, um, having a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's really what, what we're about. All right. So in some of those things that were shared this morning, I really felt like God was on them. And actually that's why I was sort of telling Zoe to click through because I just love to speak. No, I'm joking. But because I feel like actually what was, was said was, um, was some of the things that I really feel like God was, was saying to me. And, um, if you've got your Bibles, we are going to be going to, uh, let me see, we're in Acts 13, but I'll, I'll maybe jump across a few things. And uh, if you are joining us, you'll see that it says, when you fast. And we're in, we're in a moment, it's, it's nearly, I think the 40 days is, is coming, I think there's less than a week, a week and a half. And uh, we've been going through 40 days of prayer and fasting. And I know for people in this room, that's looked um, in different modes. It hasn't just been about food, um, substituting food or, or social medias or whatever it may be. Everybody's been doing that in the way they feel God's been speaking to them. And I'm funny, I walked out of the house this morning. Hannah says, she pulled my shirt and says, you've been losing weight. Um, now for some of you think that's impossible for me. I'd disappear if I lost any more, but, um, I actually have been. But how many of you know fasting isn't about dieting? Okay. Fasting is not about dieting. It's not about losing weight. Fasting is about losing the things that weigh you down. And actually, this is what this season's been about. So if you are just joining us, just to catch up, because it is our last week on it, you know, fasting's not just about food. It's about separating us from the things. It's about taking aside, setting aside time, intentional time to remove the things that we naturally depend on or we naturally have crutches on so that we, we can see the supernatural things that we are dependent on God for. Um, I like to put it that there's just some things that distract us in life. And so when we go through times of prayer and fasting, it's about regaining a new focus uh, and a new sense of focus. And as I was really just, I guess, leading and praying for what what is God saying? What is what I feel like He wants us, wants me to look at this morning? And and I really felt like there's a number of people that that God has wants to speak to this morning. And 
If you're here and, and you don't know your place, you don't know your place and you don't know your purpose in life, I really feel like God wants to speak to you this morning. If you're here and you're trying to know what direction in life you're going or what your focus in life should be, I actually believe God wants to speak to you about that. Or maybe you're here and you're like, I need a new sense of hope. I need a new sense of motivation in my life. And it's been lacking lately. I really feel like God wants, wants to speak to you. Now, I think all that things being said, that's everybody in the room, right? So, um, but it's important that you know something. Sometimes in life, we go through moments that aren't quite clear. You know, we go through times in our life where just things seem confusing. Has anybody ever had those before where you're like, you know, I don't really know which way to go. I can't tell my foot from my elbow. And I'm like, I just, I just don't know which way's up and which way's down. And, you know, you feel like you're at a fork in the road. And it, all of a sudden, because confusion is where you have two or more alternatives, all right? And sometimes we can get caught in that. But I want to say it's important that you know from this moment going forward that when you're in those moments of confusion, when you're in those moments of doubt and uncertainty and, and a lack of clarity, it doesn't mean that God's punishing you. It doesn't mean that God's punishing you. And just because you can't see what he's doing in your life, it doesn't mean that he's actually not there. Just because you can't hear God speaking to you in the way that you want him to, it doesn't mean that he isn't there. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't care either. You see, those are lies. Those are things that we begin to hear and process in order to keep us in our moments of doubt and not moving forward. But how many know, you know, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. Do you know that word life is about moving forward? In other words, Jesus hasn't come that you may be stuck in a puddle, but actually you may move forward. And I know some people drove three puddles or different things, and it's a season of puddles, right? And, you know, if you're a kid, you love jumping in muddy puddles, but how many, how many you know in life, and as adults, you don't like living in puddles, is that right? Anybody love living in puddles? No. And actually, that's what I feel like is available for us this morning. Because when we're in those moments of, of doubt, of, of confusion, those are the seasons of our lives where our faith gets called upon the most. Because... How many know you don't need faith to follow Jesus when you know where you're going, right? You don't, you don't need faith to know when, when you feel like you know where you're going. And you, it's those moments where we don't really actually call upon Jesus, right? So what do you do if you're here and you're going, you know, I, it's all well and good, Thomas, you say that, but I need to know where I'm going. What's my direction in life? What's, what's the career that I want to do? What's the career I feel like God wants me to do? What's my lane in church? What's my lane in, in life and in ministry that I can do for God? Or how do I grow in hearing him in, in ways that I, I see other people doing? You know, you're saying all those things, but what about me, right? In fact, how do I get to play a part? How do I get to be included in all this? And I really feel like prayer and fasting is one of the ways that we can do that. Like I says, prayer and fasting, fasting isn't about losing weight. It's about losing the things that weigh you down. That looks like um, and I don't have time to go into all that. If you're just joining us, you can check it out online at our podcast. You might catch up on a few things there. But I really feel in this moment of your life, God wants to move you from a place of clutter to a place of clarity. He wants to take you in your mind and in your life. He wants to take you from living in a place of clutter to clarity. Who here lives in a cluttered house? Oh, I've had a few, you know, right? I'm like, don't come to our house after church, right? It's where everything gets bunged into the one, the one bedroom, right? You know, the, the, the spare bedroom that you close tight. Do you ever walk through somebody's house? Maybe this is just me. This is to show you what's in my head. And you go, what's all behind those closed doors? Anybody else do that, right? Why are you doing right? Don't worry, I'm not thinking that when I'm at your house. 
I hear all the invites to your house just dropping right down and right now, am I joking? But sometimes when we're in those moments, in those seasons, we just need a good shock to the system. We need a good shock because how many of you know we're all, who, who loves a good pity party? You know, scripture says, you know, resist the devil and he shall flee from you. That word devil means Satan. It means to be an obstructor. In other words, resist the puddles in your life and he shall flee from you. Resist self-pity and actually you'll be able to move forward in life. And when we're in those seasons of our life and we're trying to figure out how do we move forward, how do we, and we all know baseline, it's only through the power and, and uh, ability of the Holy Spirit to do this. And we partner with the Holy Spirit. But God wants to free you more than you want to be freed yourself, by the way. God wants to, to see life flow through you more than you want it yourself. Or more than we're willing to let go of the things. Anyways, and we'll talk more on that later on. But sometimes we need a good shock to the system. And I was chatting, actually I was chatting to a guy, I think it was Tuesday, no it wasn't, it was Thursday. I was chatting to a guy on Thursday and he went in on Wednesday. He's an older man, and he went in for, let me just check, for all the medical people. He went in for an electrical cardioversion. Anybody know what that is? It's basically where they put jump leads on you and, re, and, and start your heart again. All right? And it's where they, they shock an abnormal rhythm of the heart back into a normal pattern. How many know sometimes we need that in our faith life? Where we're in the, oh, woe is me. We're in, the, can't, we're in our puddles where we can't see forward. And they are some, sometimes are very real situations, but sometimes God wants to come along and give you a good shock. Now, nobody likes that because the guy told me actually afterwards, and like he was in sedative mode and he, like he felt the thuds, right? You know, sometimes. But actually, all of a sudden, he came, he came to me on Thursday. He was like, I, I feel like a new man. All right? You got a ju- few jump leads on this morning, okay? I have a few in the car if anybody wants a cardio. I'm only joking, we're not, we're not into that. Anyways. And I want to go to uh, Acts, let me see, Acts 13. And there's a lot I can pick from, but I want to just pick a few things that I really feel like are worth are worth noting, okay? And it, it will really, it will help us move from a place of clutter to that clarity we're talking about, okay? So it's the beginning of Acts 13, it's only a couple of verses. And the, this is the part of Acts where it's not long after where uh, Saul, who, that was his, uh, Hebrew name, and then he was given, he was changed to Paul, which was, was his Greek name. And you'll hear me maybe jump in and out of those, okay? Just, when I say Saul, I mean Paul, but say Paul, I mean Saul, right? I'm just jumping in between, depending on what I'm reading on. And this is a, this is a time where he had a radical version on the road to Damascus. And, you know, God spoke to him and changed his life. And we see, you know, the, you know, some of the early apostles and disciples being martyred for their faith. Uh, and this is a moment where, at this part we're going to read is where, the church went on its first missionary journey beyond the vicinities that they were in, okay? And we'll read a bit about how Paul and Barnabas were sent out on that, okay? So it says, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, it says this, okay? It might come up on the screen. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there was a certain prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, uh, Manan, who was, had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, otherwise Paul. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit spoke and says, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, it says they laid hands on them. In other words, the church laid hands on them and they sent them on their way. I want you to underline, they ministered to the Lord and fasted and the Holy Spirit spoke. There's many people want to minister for the Lord. 
but there's very few people that actually are willing to take time to minister to the Lord. What do I mean? Ministering to the Lord, because God's not sick and needing us to minister to him, okay? That, that's not what I mean. When we minister to the Lord, we do that through musical worship. We enter in and we just don't sing about God, but we, we sing to him and his presence can come in such a tangible, real way. That's ministry to God. But we also, it could also be in the ways that we practically go about everyday life, our jobs, how we serve our families, our friends. It's as if we do those things for God himself. So when we talk about ministering to God, it's through you know, this act of worship, but it also then is worship of the heart when we do the things in our everyday lives, okay? So that's what that means. But there's a lot of people who want to do things for God, but they're not willing to do things to him. But it's important that we know as we go forward, anything we do for God is designed to flow out of the ministry to him. Whether it's singing or doing everyday practical things, many people want to build a public life, but fewer people are willing to do the private. Because how many know the private doesn't get as plotted as much as the public? And before Saul and Barnabas went on their first ministry journey, they built that relationship with them. They had a relationship with Jesus on their own, but also as a community. Because how many know anything, if we want to do anything worthwhile for Jesus, then you better get darn good at building a private life with him. Because everything you do for him flows out of your place to him. And that's what I want to get as the heart of. If you're here and you want to change the, if you want to do history, if you want to make history with God, then you better build a history with him. Because the measure in which your ministry, the measure of the anointing for your ministry will be dictated by the measure of your personal time with him. In other words, when I talk about anointing, the amount of God's presence and favor on the things you do. God doesn't come along and just pour out his favor and his presence on the things that he doesn't know you. But I know that there's, there's room for all of us to go. How do we, when we begin to develop a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus in, on our own, but also in, in a corporate space like this, we will see everything. You will begin to hear and see things that he wants you to do. Because scripture, it says this, it said, when they fasted and prayed, that's when they heard the Holy Spirit. The Spirit spoke and the Spirit said, separate me, Saul and Barnabas. In other words, when we separate ourselves for God, he will separate us for himself. When we take time to intentionally set aside time to be with God, then he will separate you from the crowds. Because God isn't looking for the groupies. He's looking for the followers. He's looking for the people that will lay down their lives and go, God, I'm here for an audience of one, not an audience of online or, or, or this room. And what happens is when, when God speaks, we get clarity. And I want you to note this. When we get clarity, we get clarity of the calling of God on our lives. And that's what I want to look at. I want to look at calling this morning. I want to look at how do you, what is it about your calling and why it's important. You see, God took Paul, or lower Saul, from throwing Christians in jail to writing around 13 books of the New Testament. He went on 14 ministry journeys when he heard his call through prayer and fasting. It was through an encounter that actually his ministry was propelled. Every single person in this room has gifts and callings from God. Do you know you have a calling from God? Do you know that? Some of you are smirking at me going, what are you going to say next? You have a call. Every single person in this room is included that God, 
before you were formed in your mother's womb, do you know, I, I, I see it like this. God has giftings and callings, and he builds people around those giftings and callings. In other words, God has plans and purposes and created you to fulfill them. He didn't create you and go, okay, I'll maybe match you with that, match you with this. No, God has giftings, God has callings that he wants to be, to see brought throughout this, uh, this area so that his kingdom may come and he's created and fastened you in order to be the, the partakers of them. And what we do is we go, I couldn't do that. Some might say it's an oral and Irish thing, but also it can be a number of other factors we're going to look at. Who here, hands up, if you believe you have a calling from God? Okay. Who here struggles to believe it, but wants a greater conviction of it? Nobody? Anybody want a greater conviction of their calling? Okay, well, it's maybe a danger. Well, there's one over here, okay, okay. We all should want a greater conviction of our calling. Okay, if you're, if this is new language for you, what is a gifting? The giftings are the skills, the abilities, the insights that God has given us to build with. In some ways, it, it comes to us as a, as a natural ability, and we have a, a, a higher level of competency in that area, but it's also something that we could be developed and worked on. Callings, on the other hand, they are the things that you think most about. It's the direction that you feel like you're moving toward. It's your, it's the thing, the area of your life that you focus most on. Sometimes you may daydream about it. Sometimes you may, God may be give you dreams about it, or you might have heard him speak about it to you. A calling isn't necessarily something you get paid to do, but it's a thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. And I know some of you are here going, I don't know what gets me out of bed in the morning. You need a God calling in your life. Like I said, you might not get paid to do it, but it's the thing that, that burns on the inside of you. And when everyone, use, everyone will use their gifts unknowingly in some senses. But God also wants to reveal a calling to you. And like I said, you may be here going, you're preaching to me and I, I, I don't know what my calling is. A couple of quick pro bonos. You can't decide what your calling is, by the way. All right? Because it comes from God. You may have a vision for your life. But God wants a call for your life, and it's different. Two, you might start off thinking that it's one thing, but as you go on, it begins to mold into something else, the very thing. You might have heard God speak to you and go, I've called you to do this, and as you head her down that road, it's like, oh, that's actually what he meant. But it becomes the thing that is alive on the inside of you, and you have to steward it. Well, how do I know my calling? Feels like a distance memory ago, but you know, a lot of you would have went on holidays during the summer, and I know some of you are heading off, one or two of you are heading off, uh, and you're looking forward to the sun in, in the next couple of weeks. But when we went, Hannah and I went to uh, went a couple of parts in Italy. But there's all you do all of those sightseeing things. You know, you get a you either get a tour guide, a live tour guide who takes you by the hand, walks you around, and you know, tells you all that, what's going on. Usually, it's a lot longer. Usually, it's a lot more detailed. Or you can get an audio guide and, you know, you can get them from the center or you can maybe, anybody heard of Rick Steves? No Rick Steves fans, you know, not, not the cook guys, it's Rick Steves, is that right? Um, but he's like an audio guide, it's for free if you're a cheapskate like me and you want to, you know, get through all the, and he do, does some cracking audio guides. But we went to the Vatican and a lot of people told us, you know, don't do a live tour because, you know, it takes forever to do, take you all around the place, you're there all day. So we, we decided to do an audio guide. 
And what was really interesting, this audio guide, we had to listen to the audio guide in our ear. But we had to make our way around. I mean, if anybody's been to the Vatican, it's huge. We had to make our way around the Vatican by bouncing off each other, but also listening to his voice. Rick Steve's voice, who led us through and told us all these things. We had to trust in that voice because we had no clue where we were going. But we had to figure that out together. And sometimes life's like that. Sometimes we just want Jesus to be the live tour guide that takes us by the hand and just walks us through everything. Anybody want that? But he says it's even better that if I go to the Father and I send the Spirit. The Spirit is the audio guide to your life. He wants to be the voice in your ear. He wants to be the voice in your heart that speaks to you little by little. You will through, you know, discernment, but also through community, begin to learn how to make your way through life. Because it's not a relation, it's not a mature relationship if he comes and takes you by the hand and walks you through everything. Now hear me. There will be moments in your life where God will be, you will have shelter under the wings of the Almighty. There will be times that he will come and he will comfort you. There's those times. But when we're talking about walking out our callings, Jesus doesn't want to take you by the hand through everything. He wants to be the, the, the voice in your ear, the voice in your heart that begins to speak to you and lead you through things because that's where relationship is. And just like Paul and Barnabas, the call of God would be made known to them by the voice of God. How many knew though God doesn't reveal the whole plan at once? How many would like him to reveal the whole plan at once? But step by step it begins to unfold. In fact, usually it's when you're in it and it's unfolding in front of your very eyes, you go, this is what the call of God is, and this is what it's about. But what's really interesting is the story of Paul and Barnabas. This happens between two very interesting moments, and we're going to look at them, okay? Between really interesting moments in in Acts. In Acts 12, we see, anybody familiar with the story where Peter's thrown in jail, uh, and the angel of the Lord visited him during the night and the shackles fall off and he, he walks through the sleeping guards and all of a sudden he's out into freedom. This is a moment in Acts 12 when Herod killed the disciple James, the brother of John, and Herod saw that it pleased the Jews. I want you to underline if you can. He saw that it pleased the Jews, so he tried to do the same with Peter. And then the story unfolds. And then there's Acts, the end of Acts 13. And it's when Paul is in is on his first missionary journey in uh, Poseidon of Antioch, which is basically modern-day Turkey. And he's in a Jewish synagogue, and he's preaching the gospel to the Jews. And a long story short, they're not really having any of it. But the story goes that the, the outside the temple, there was a group of Gentiles, and they begged, as Paul left, they begged him, hey, come back next week and preach us that message. And the story goes on, but when they came back next week, it says the whole city was there. The whole city came out to hear what Paul wanted to say. The Jews didn't like it, so they tried to discredit it. And for me, these two sandwich moments, they revealed to us the two things that will blind you from the calling of God in your life. Two things. There's loads of things, but these two things I want to pull upon, all right? The first one's this, like in Acts 12 and Herod. People-pleasing will kill you walking in your destiny. People-pleasing will kill you walking in the call of God has for you. When you're led by the approval of others more than by the Holy Spirit, you will not see what God's calling you to do. You'll be more concerned about hearing their voice than God's voice. In fact, I remember 
when I, when I first sort of became a Christian, and, and God touched my life. I mean, no part of my own. Trust me if you knew where I came from. And God just, I all of a sudden had this hunger to, to want. I seen things in other people. You know, spiritual believers, I thought, I want what you have. I didn't necessarily know it was Jesus, but I was like, I want what you have. You have freedom. You're doing things in you that I, I want what you have. The fruits of the Spirit. And, and this, at this time of my life, it was probably only 15, 16. And, I mean, I grew around. I, I love it because I build my testimony. I have a lot of stories to talk about pre-Jesus but um, and where I came from. During this time, I, I didn't have a, a lot of Christian people around my life. A lot of people who were superstitious and, you know, made, didn't want to make sure Jesus was going to strike him down with uh, you know, bolts of thunder or anything. But for me, it was during this time that God really touched my life. I had a hunger to, to pray more. I had a hunger to, to read scripture more. And as I was still living at home. And what I would do is I would have worship music in my ear. And I'd be pretending that I was listening to other music when I was around my mates. Or when I was at home and I was reading the Bible, when anybody would come into my room, I would hide the Bible under the covers. Because I was embarrassed to think, what are they going to think of me? My whole family, I mean, they weren't ever really anti, you know, Jesus or Christian, but fear does that to you. How many know fear catastrophizes the outcome of a potential situation to be bigger than it actually is? I'll say it again. Fear will always catastrophize the outcome of any situation to be bigger than it usually ends up being. And what was really ironic was this time last week, my mum came to church for, well, she hadn't been the first time, but she came of her own accord. And I sat thinking, this is so ironic. The people I thought would think I'm nuts are actually coming to a church because they see, well, a bunch of other nutters. <laughs> um, but they see something. But fear will always catastrophize. Fear will rob you from the calling that God has for you. I'll say it again. Fear will rob you from the calling what God has for you. And the funny thing is, the only way to overcome fear is to do what? Is to face it. To do the very thing that terrifies you. So if you're here and you're terrified about uh, sharing Jesus with other people, guess how you're going to overcome that fear? If you're, fear, you're here and you're afraid of leading worship and I came and talked to you and you're afraid of leading worship, guess how you're going to overcome that fear? By doing it. Or being on a prayer ministry team or leading in, in a ministry or whatever it may be. It's not limited to church. My question to you is, how long are you going to live your life with fear dictating your future? Only one who can answer that to you. We have to develop this habit of facing the things that disturb us. If it disturbs you to the core, you want to go after it even more. Not rhymes. It's time to go all in with God in your life. Who cares what other people think? You may be here for the first time and you're going, I'm not that, I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that girl. Can I tell you? When God touches your life, you already are. That's about being all in. It's time to show your faith with the strangers around you because God wants to heal them. But even more importantly, and you need to hear this, it's time that you move past the expectations people put on you. Because God has a future plan that is greater than your future fear. For every single person in this room, you will always have fears that will come in the future. But can I tell you, when you face them, God's plan will always be greater than your fear. Let's get away from catastrophizing the potential outcomes to actually magnifying God of the outcome. If you could chuck them in prison, so what? 
Then you have a prison ministry. Or, I mean, I was, it could be anything. When we know that God is sovereign of our lives, we can begin to see, actually, do you know what? And go, there's a beautiful point. I only, I, I, I like to di- digress a bit. But if you go to Acts 12, I didn't say this before, but uh, 12, 11, it says, when Peter had come to himself, which I don't know how he walked with an angel, well, I suppose you would come to yourself afterwards. It says, Peter says this, I now know for certain that the Lord had sent this angel and delivered me from the hand of Herod. And listen to this, from all the expectations of the Jewish people. If you want to walk in your calling, forget about the expectations of other people. Live for an expectation of one. The second thing is, the thing that will keep you from your calling is one thing to keep your holy huddle. Like the Jews did when it came to Paul preaching in Acts 13. We love to keep our holy huddle. What do I mean? I'm not talking about removing you from being in community. No, that's not. You have to be around people who are pursuing holiness. But a holy huddle is, is a huddle that becomes insular. And my huddle, and we're at the center of it. But what's really interesting that when, in, at the end of Acts 13, when Paul was, was ministering on his first uh, missionary journey, and it says the week later that the whole city, that's revival. Imagine what it would look like for the whole of Down Patrick to come out next week. I, I mean, we laugh, but that's actually what we see happened here. Where it says the whole, um, the whole city of, of Poseidon in, in Antioch came out the following week. That's hunger, but that's revival. That's by the Spirit of God. How do I know? Because Paul and those guys hadn't even been there yet. So how do you know, how many of you know that the Spirit of God is in the places before you even enter into them? Shocked a system like that. And that's what it's about. We need to know that the Spirit of God, where God calls us, His Spirit is already there. And when it seems like the Spirit is moving, even to the point of revival breaking out in the city, people who like to have a holy huddle can still desire to be on the in crowd. What I mean, when new people come along, they, these types of people feel that their place on the in crowd is going to be threatened, so they get jealous. Ever been in scenarios where people get jealous? See, jealousy is the fear of losing that which I love. Sometimes we love being the center of attention. Sometimes we love being at the center of the holy huddle. Or sometimes we like the familiarity of the holy huddle. If you want to walk in your calling, give up things being familiar. Jealousy is a distraction. It stops us from walking in the call that God has for us because um, we get anti what God is doing in another person that we don't see what God wants to do through us. In fact, sometimes we don't even see what God wants to do through us for them. Our calling isn't to stay in a holy huddle. It's to see that holy huddle expanded. If you're here and you're going, I don't have a call yet, I want to give you one this morning, all right? It's to see this whole area come to know Jesus. It's to see this whole area have a hunger and an appetite to, to surrender the lives of Jesus. Your community, your neighbors. I want to ask you, whose call is it to grow this church? It's not just mine. It's yours. It's all of ours. So if you're here and you don't have a call, I'm giving you one this morning. Because actually, it's for, that's the baseline call for every, every believer in Jesus, is to grow his church. His church. See, when God starts to move, we just open up our arms and we open up our homes. In whatever little way you can, that's your call. You might be here and you're going, 
don't get specific until God gives you a specific. Instead, stay, stay into the general call that is to see people come to know Jesus. We had Richard Porter last week. I love Richard Porter. He spoke really well. He can, I think he might get on the podcast. But Richard began to share a story. I mean, he's been all around the world, from the hippie movements to being a chaplain in Scotland to teaching in Bible colleges. I mean, there's a man that's definitely lived under every rock and came out of it. And he, sp- he shared this story that when he was in uh, Scott in Glasgow, and he was surrounded by, I think it was maybe addicts and, and all sorts of homeless people. And uh, he really began to ask God, you know, how do you see this town? How do you see this city? And, and as he spoke that, he shared, it, it reminded me of a time that God done something the exact same. I am a massive Liverpool supporter. I wanted to either go live in Liverpool or go to America. I couldn't go to them, Patrick. And when God began to touch my life, he asked me this dangerous question that I've shared before, and I dare you to ask it. God asked me, he says, Thomas, ask me how I see this town. Ask me how I see this town. And I watched over a six-month period as I asked, God, how do you see this town? Through Scripture, through the Spirit, all of a sudden you begin to see that God wants to transform this place from the inside out. God will not stop until every rock is turned, overturned. God will not stop till every lie, life is set free. God will not stop until every city looks like the city we just read about, where a whole city would come out. And I realize that's the call that I know specifically for me is what I do. And I'm looking for people who will join. That's why you're here, I think. For We join in to see in whatever mod- modality that we would see God flip a place upside down. Because the mode does vary. You don't come alive in your calling when you think you're at the center of attention or you get all the credit. We come alive when God is at the center of attention and people's lives get transformed. But I will say like this, you will not have found your calling if the very thing you're looking at doesn't scare the life out of you. You're not in your calling if it does not scare you. In fact, you're not in your calling if you think you can do it on your own accord. Because what you're called to do you are so dependent on God to do. Because what God calls you to is beyond you. And we need a call like that. We need a vision like that. We need a dream like that. If you don't have dreams that scare the life out of you, you need new dreams. Okay? And I can tell you, there's some of the dreams that God spoke into my heart that Hannah and only a select few know, they terrify the life out of me. Because I can't do it. In fact, I'm so ill-equipped to do the very things that God's called me to do. But do you know what I have to do? Okay, God, you let your kingdom come. Your will. And do you know what? See the call that God's called you to do. It's not up to you to make it happen. Because the gifts and the callings of God are what? Irrevocable. You know, irrevocable doesn't mean they can't... It, it just means they're, they're not ever going to be changed. It's an absolute, not a subjective truth. The call of God in your life is absolute. He sets it in stone. And do you know what? If you don't believe that, you need an encounter with the authoritative voice of God. God is the authoritative voice in your life. What he speaks will come to pass. Some of you are here and you've heard God speak callings over your life. And they've laid dormant. They've laid in a, in a journal. They've laid in a, in, a, in a recording. And you're like, well, I've given up on them because I haven't seen them. I, I feel like God's saying you need to go listen to them again. Have open ears and an open heart to go. What he has spoke over your life is irrevocable. Now, it might not happen the way you want it to be. Don't be limited to your own understanding, but I can tell you right now, you need to fan that in the flame so you will have hope and focus again. If, I, if Chris and, and the guys can go back up.
if you're here and you don't know your place or your purpose, if you're here and you need a new sense of direction and focus in your life, maybe you need motivation, it starts with seeing this church grow. It starts with seeing and praying. It's removing, it's removing those two very things. Get over people-pleasing and get over jealousy. Because I will tell you, if you knock those two things out of your life, God will knock your calling out of the park. He will take your life to a whole new level. Sometimes we seek first his kingdom coming in us, which means removing the, the fears, removing the, the self-pities, removing the, uh, the jealousies, and removing the desire to know it all. And when we do that, when we stop people pleasing, I can tell you right now, like, like Peter, you'll be set free from to walk into what he's called you to do. Sometimes they'll do that when you're in your calling. It's not that he's going to have it all done beforehand. But when we need, we need to take time. You need to take time. And you need to get serious about this. You need to take time to separate yourself from the clutter of your life. I know there might only be X amount of days to our set aside corporate time of prayer and fasting, but let it be a lifestyle. I'm not saying you have to give up food, but give up. You're not going to find your calling scrolling through Facebook or binging on Netflix or going down the rabbit holes of YouTube. Anybody been in those? Don't know what you're talking about. Let's start a YouTube help group. We need to start looking for his voice. We need to start pressing in. What's the audio guide of the Holy Spirit saying? That we need to get serious about God. I need direction. I need focus. Because a lot of us use, you know, many things to get us moving in life. But we need a spirit. And there's a shift that happens in, in, in being a mature, but moving into maturity as a believer. It's being led from situations and circumstances to being led by the spirit. And sometimes the spirit, when he calls you, will lead you into situations and circumstances that you would never walk into. And that we've avoided. But yet, you know, because the, the voice of God calls you into the very things sometimes you don't never want to do. But yet, you know, we read it time and time again in Scripture when people listen to the voice of God and the call of God, they go in and that's when revival happens. There's a lot of people that go, you may as well just do a church and where there's all the, you know, years and history of, of contemporary churches because you'll have more people to do it there. Can I tell you, we follow the voice of God and look at the people in this room. Can I tell you, I look across this room tonight and I go, there are people who are growing, stepping into the prophetic, stepping into worship, stepping into different things in their lives that they didn't believe they could ever do. We have to look beyond, we have to get a God dream for our life that sees beyond what we are capable of and be reliant on the Holy Spirit. Because when we remove the clutter, we open ourselves up to God's clarity and calling for our lives. Everything within you, I'll, I'll put it like this, your calling will never be found in your comfort zone. Your calling will never be found in your comfort zone. You need to get ruthless I can tell you there's a switch that happens on the inside. When the flesh is willing but the spirit is weak, you ask God, give me the drive to be able to step outside of my comfort zone and do the things that scare the life out of me. I'll, I'll help you. We'll give you opportunities to scare the wits out of you. We'll get the, like I says, we'll get the minibus next week and we'll go into the center somewhere and we'll start seeing revival come. But it's not going to happen through scrolling through the old means. But when we surrender to his timing, when we keep listening to the audio guide of his voice, I can tell you, you'll be open to a God call. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. And if you're serious and you need, you're in one of those categories where you don't know your motivation in life, you don't know where, you know, the direction or 
and you need a God call or you need an upgrade, you need to hear from him again, I want you to put your hands out. I'm going to just pray over you. I'm going to pray that God by his Holy Spirit would speak to you and that he by his Spirit would give you a willing spirit to, to be able to listen to what he has for you. So that's you. Open up your hands just to receive and, and over the next coming days and weeks, I pray that God would speak to you, would touch you, would give you a dream and a call that is beyond you. So Father, right now we pray Lord, I thank you that you've been doing that in me. I thank you that you've been doing that across the people in this room. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray, would you come and be the wind of that flame? Would you come and, and, and put a, a fresh touch upon every single person in this room? Lord, would you give them your dreams? Would you give them your callings, God? That would you would lead them, that there would be an openness, Lord? Would you help all of us to get over the jealousy in our lives, to get over the fears in our lives, but also, God, get over the things that we think you know, the holy huddles that we would get over the expectations of other people of parents who, who say this is where our life should go that we would move from following the voice of our mothers and our fathers if you're a young person in this room keep doing that if you're an adult that they would move them, Lord, into the voice of their Heavenly Father, which is you. So, Father, I pray, would your Holy Spirit come upon every single person in this room, that your voice would be the authoritative voice, and through that, you would separate us for the work that you have for us, the calls that you have. God, would you dream, put these dreams in them, Lord, would you begin to birth a new zeal and a passion and just a boldness and a courage to face the things that terrify God. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now, would your spirit quicken on the inside? Would you touch them? Would you wake them up, Lord? And I pray that they would just get a your God dream again. They would get your calling again. Remove the things that distract. And Lord, I pray by your Holy Spirit that that would be a real tangible reality in our lives.